0: Oh, hello and welcome to the very first episode of Robot Dinner Party. Not to be confused with Robot Donner Party, in which robots eat each other. Though I'm sure at the after-dinner robot orgy, that's exactly what will be going on. Anyway, I'm your host, Ben. You may remember me from such other podcasts as Pop Culture Crunch. You see, once upon a time there was a website called Pop Culture Crunch. I wrote there with my friends Nick and Jerry, and from time to time we'd put together a podcast, just you know, shoot the shit a little bit, talk some movies, comic books, you know, what kind of beer we were drinking, you know, that kind of stuff. And you know, I've been listening to Soldier of Pod, and I've been missing this podcast thing, you know, and you'll you'll have to excuse me a little bit, I've been sick. Trying to get my voice back in order here, but, you know, everybody's first episode is shit anyway. I mean, you listen to Tellem Steve Dave. That guy just sat down, smoked a joint, and got to talking while some music played. You know, look where those guys are now. I mean, if I were to ever reach that level, I'd have to use the hashtag, I'm blessed. Instead, you know, right now I'm stuck using the hashtag, not my matrix. You know, it's this whole concept of we live in a matrix. At least that's how the theory goes. I don't really buy it, but it's fun to think about sometimes the possibility that we live essentially in a running simulation of what an actual universe would be like if some aliens in the distant future, possibly even humans decided to create this computer simulation of a whole universe with the people inhabiting that universe being us. We don't even have to be, you know, hooked up to some, um, you know, robots and be in an embryonic sack and shit. No. We just have to be living within this computer program, the architect of which is who knows, like I said, could be future aliens, future humans. The point being that every little-known quantity of our reality that we've constructed for ourselves is really just perception it's really just pixels meant to appear a certain way to us and of course in my matrix I start thinking things like you know I've been having this really bad run of bad luck for going on two years now am I in a matrix in which they're testing to see how far can I push this guy How many dastardly things can go wrong in his life before he breaks or does something that the Matrix doesn't expect? But that's the thing, is that the Matrix, as it's conceived by your own mind, is different from everyone else's Matrix. I was listening to Dax Shepard on The Nerdist the other day, and his Matrix is because he feels, as a celebrity, that things are going so well in his life that... It can't possibly be the natural world that's throwing things at him that way. Of course, that's the complete opposite of what <laughs> I envision my Matrix to be, so he created the hashtag not my matrix. And if you can't tell by now, there's a reason why I call this podcast The Robot Dinner Party. You see, I know that my speaking style is so stilted that it's essentially like a robot and moreover the type of things that i like to talk about are probably the types of things that robots like to talk about so if i'm going to go to a party i should probably go to a robot dinner party i mean there's also the fact that you think up some great names for your podcast and then you go and look them up and somebody's already got that name for their podcast You know I think if I had my ultimate name for my podcast it would probably be the darkest timeline and for anybody who's watched community before you know that that comes from that show community in which they take the vast infinite possibility of multiverses the theory being that you know in each different universe the infinite spectrum of which comprises the multiverse you know there's a different version of you in each one every single possibility of events that could happen every version of you that there could be is happening in one of those timelines so of course there has to be one darkest timeline which i've sort of become convinced that we've entered ever since uh, last fall what with Uh, the election of Donald Trump, a number of uh, big celebrity deaths of people that we really didn't want to see go. And I'm not sure how to get outside of this darkest timeline, but, you know, somebody's already got that podcast. Uh, That's not going to be the theme of mine, but let it be known that I think we are in the darkest timeline. I think one testimony to that fact is probably my March Madness Bracket. Of course everybody's is probably blown up by this time of year we're almost into the final four now Um, i know one half of my bracket is already busted i've still got north carolina in there as my eventual champion but with the way things are going um (laughs) i highly doubt i'm gonna win this thing but that's the case everywhere right usually i mean for a couple years in a row a few years ago Um, I came in second place two years in a row. And that was, uh, you know, just a pride thing. Uh, But that did feel pretty good to come in second place. Sure would have liked to have first place in the the bracket pool, but uh, you know, that's just how things go. Uh, Speaking of darkest timelines, anybody see the Justice League trailer? Yikes. I mean, talk about one dark universe that Zack Snyder's created there. And of course, he's He's not directing every single movie in the DC movie universe, but his fingerprints are over a lot of them, and of course he has directed some of those movies. Um, It's just a very bleak version of uh, the DC superheroes, and um, the latest trailer doesn't really reveal anything uh, substantive story-wise. It's, uh, it looks to be a, a direct sequel to uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, which is something I wrote The Hater's Guide to. Uh, I disliked it that much. I mean, one thing you can say for Zack Snyder is that he uh, creates a very striking, uh, visually, movie, but uh, the stories in these DC movies, uh, ever since he started making them, um they're just not what one would expect uh, if you're someone who grew up reading uh, DC comics or even getting to know the DC comic superheroes through the movies, all the way up through including Christopher Nolan's Batman and, of course, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. As far as I'm concerned, is the definitive take on Batman in the movies. But like every other DC movie, of course I'm going to go see it. I'm going to give it a fair shot uh, from the very first moment that I sit down to watch it. And of course, before Justice League comes out, we've got that Wonder Woman movie, which has a lot of people, including myself, a lot more optimistic. I'm really hoping that they come through on that one for everyone's sake, really, to really get a good, solid DC uh, movie character uh, with her own solo movie there. But, um, you know, I... I do sort of wish that they would just reboot the entire dc movie universe start it over with something like the flash um get his story going um get somebody other than Zack snyder involved with a fresh batman trilogy i'm really convinced he hates superman so obviously get somebody else to make a superman movie and side note if i could have anyone direct a superman movie It would probably be christopher nolan but of course he's probably moved on completely from superhero movies now look that's just my take on the dc movie universe i'm a noted hater of it until they reboot it um, and get zack snyder out of there i'd be happy to hear other people's takes on it um You know, another movie that I'm actually looking forward to this year is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That looks like it's going to be pretty awesome. Hopefully, at least somewhere near the quality of the first one. And, of course, we've got the Episode 8 of the Star Wars um, movies coming out later this year. Um, I know for next year, they're working on a Han Solo movie. Um, Apparently, we're going to get to learn how he got his name Han Solo, which, you know, I don't read the books or anything like that, so I don't know what the official canon story is, although it appears that they're changing um, the canon of the Star Wars universe with these uh, Disney-produced movies. But that struck me as a little odd that we're going to learn what Han Solo's uh real name is or at least that's the implication if we're going to learn how he got the name han solo so that's got me a little iffy but i wasn't too high on the han solo movie to begin with um i'm still waiting to see john wick too um everything that i hear about it is that it's amazing i love the first john wick and um keanu was already talking about ideas that he has for the third john wick so If you're not familiar with the John Wick movies, get out there and go see them all the way. We'll warn you. They're quite violent, so if that's not your thing, stay away. Now, if I could go back and touch on Marvel again a little bit. I was just reading today that uh, they've got this Marvel Generations thing coming out. It looks like that some of these um, older, more established characters that they kind of kicked out in favor of newer versions of them, such as uh you know Tony Stark and Riri Williams or Bruce Banner or uh Thor the Odinson uh and a few others it looks like they're bringing back these characters that people were complaining about them kicking out um and i guess they're going to get uh, i think there's going to be a main story arc plus some uh individual uh series going on where uh these Older and newer versions of these characters get a chance to uh, possibly team up together. I'm sure that sometimes there's going to be some conflict going on. So, like always with the comic book universe, if you've got some event that uh, does something to an older character, usually that's going to come back around again. Maybe not as soon as some people would like, but it sure looks to be the case that those older characters are coming back so people can stop complaining about that. And of course, me, I've always got gripes to go around, so who am I to complain about other people complaining, right? Oh, yeah, brother. But one thing I've kind of chilled out on and not complaining about so much anymore is the Game of Thrones books. Of course, I've read, you know, the first five of those books. We're still waiting on the sixth one to come out called Winds of Winter. And of course, everybody's like, right, 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 like the wind, George R.R. R. R. Martin. Um, you know, I was really hoping that he would finish this series in writing uh, before he dies. Obviously, he's getting up there in age but at this point with the tv series coming to a close sometime in the next one to two seasons i'm you know i'm kind of over the books as far as i'm concerned since george rr R. martin gave the television producers his vision uh at least the basic outline of how the series is supposed to end i'm comfortable with the tv series being uh the definitive ending i'm i'm not gonna begrudge him for uh, not finishing out the book series if it is in case of in fact the case that he doesn't do that i mean it sure just seems to be that he you know with the amount of writing that he puts out on other things that aren't on uh, game of thrones that he's he's probably gotten to the point in his life where he's just either kind of sick of writing game of thrones or it's just so hard to tie up all of those loose ends that it's uh, virtually impossible so you know what he can enjoy whatever he enjoys writing. Um, I'm happy with the fact that Game of Thrones, the TV series, is going to give us a definitive ending, and I can't wait for that. I know that's coming up later this year. Another thing I'm so excited about is House of Cards coming up in June. Oh, man, I can only imagine the type of things that they've got to draw from over the past year, but they always you know, managed to take some from real life and Surprises with some other stuff that uh, we hadn't even thought of but that and that TV show always gets me going and of course I'd like to touch on some other positive things a little bit before I end this podcast in a few minutes you know at the uh, beginning of March so that'll be at the beginning of this month the Nintendo Switch came out mm-hmm. I happened to be someone who got a Nintendo Switch when it came out waited in line around midnight uh, to get myself a uh, one of those consoles while i was waiting in line i grabbed a second one online uh i ended up managing to sell one of those switches on ebay keeping the other one for myself of course with the legend of zelda breath of the wild and i'm someone who grew up with zelda and so you know i haven't played every single one of them but um it's true what everybody else is saying about breath of the wild it is a The best Zelda game yet. It is a a truly open world that you can do pretty much whatever you want. Um, The beginning is a little bit more tedious getting through the first four shrines. But once you do get through those first four shrines and you get yourself that uh, sailing cloth to get off of the main plateau. And explore the broader areas. Oh, it starts to get incredible. Because you really can go just about anywhere you want climb anything so long as you don't exhaust your uh little green meter there and it's so engrossing to the point that i started running up this mountain and i saw a fox running towards me so i started chasing this fox uh, trying to get a good screenshot of it and i managed to get one halfway decent one but you know, the fact that I've already spent 20 minutes of this game chasing after a dang digital fox. And that's one of the highlights of the game so far. I mean, that, you know, that's just one tiny thing. There's so much else left to explore. So, if you're someone who loves Zelda, if you're someone who is really looking for a good console from Nintendo again. You know, I didn't get that Wii U crap. You know, a lot of people didn't. I'm uh, going to say, in addition to this Breath of the Wild being such high quality, the actual physical build of the Nintendo Switch is really great. It's really high quality. Um, It's it's also a great um, design in that you can take that little tablet-style screen with you like it's a mobile uh, gaming unit, like the 3DS, except for bigger And, of course, then you can also stick it in the dock and play it on the TV. It's the exact same game. You don't get a scaled-down version of the game when you're playing on uh, the portable screen, and that's freaking great. I love it. Um, But, of course, the one thing that Nintendo needs is more games, but they're going to get more games. They're going to get more developers this time around working with them i kind of can't wait for that to happen and you know releasing it so early in the year in march by the time christmas rolls around there's going to be more availability of the console and there's going to be more games available to play too so if you're at all interested in the nintendo switch keep your eyes open for uh when more of those become available um i'm also a ps4 guy Uh, i've really been enjoying yakuza zero lately um, that one takes you through the streets of uh Tokyo in the late 1980s and that's kind of a trip in and of itself to be transported nostalgically back to the 80s but of course it's a country that I've never lived in so that's very engrossing there, there's a, a great story going on and of course you get to kick the crap out of people while you're doing it but the, there's another PS4 game uh that I'm really looking forward to I need to order it that's Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, Hearing that it's not better than previous Mass Effect games, I've never played any of the other Mass Effect games, but the traveling between the planets on this one, uh, it it looks incredible. Um, And I know some people have been complaining about the uh, human face animations in terms of emotions, and yet the emotions on the aliens are supposed to be great. Who cares? Visually, this looks great. It looks like a great adventure. I'm really into sci-fi and space, so this is right up my alley. Hopefully, I get that soon and can give you guys a bit of a review in the near future. But I'm coming up on the 20-minute mark. I've already admitted that everybody's first episode is shit, and I have to assume the same for my podcast. What's one thing that robots know that you don't? How about the fact that most... Uh, barns are painted red because of dying stars. You see, as older stars in our universe started dying, they would uh, compress and the fusion would create heavier elements, especially iron. And apparently iron is one of the most abundant uh, heavy elements in the entire universe. And so, of course, when these older stars died uh, and then became uh, supernovas, they expel this material all over the universe and of course gets picked up in the big cloud of dust when our galaxy formed and then when our solar system formed and so with all this iron that's available uh, that's why it's abundant and available for uh, making a color of red for paint Um, and then what's one other thing that robots are concerned about at their dinner table Mm probably flat earthers i don't think the robots uh particularly uh look highly upon humans uh that think that the earth is flat and we've got a few nba players out there including Kyrie irving and Shaq, claiming that they think the earth is flat now they could just be trolling us i don't know but people don't be a flat earther okay it makes the robots sad And with that, we've concluded the first episode of Robot Dinner Party. I hope you had at least a mildly good time, even if it was monotone and uh, truly as exciting as a robot dinner party. But hopefully my voice continues to mend, and hopefully we get these podcasts polished up as we go along. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Robot Dinner Party. I'm your host, Ben. Have a great week.